0: So first, I just want to th- uh, thank the bishop for allowing me to preach this morning. Uh, I'm really excited to have kind of one of these last words, but, uh, but be- the beginning of this is I'm going to stay here at the podium uh, because I'm finding myself getting older, and I, I, as I'm getting older, I'm getting more cantankerous. Like, that's, just, that's just the thing, but, and so my reaction a lot of times when I see, even like this weekend, I kept th- thinking to myself, oh, youths. <laughs> I see the guy with the free hugs sign, and I'm like, boom, youths, what, or those st- stupid clothespins, <laughs> you know who you are, I see those, I'm like, some of you see me gone all Hulk, Hulk smash on them, like breaking them apart, youths, <laughs> or even, even next door, the cosplay thing, all these people walking around in costumes, I'm like, Youths, what is going on? What's wrong with the world today? Um, you know, it's actually really interesting. The whole, the whole two conventions happening basically in the same spot this weekend has gotten me to think a lot about this whole deal because the people in the other convention, the Comic-Con, the, the cosplay people, the, you know, those characters, they are... I've been thinking about this and praying about it a lot, is, is that uh, they're really into those characters, right? Like if you're gonna put all that time into making a costume that looks exactly like Sailor Moon or like Severus Snape or like Pikachu, I mean you really like Sailor Moon and Pikachu and Severus Snape, like you're really into that. And and then to show up at this conference and completely like hang yourself over to this. We're a bunch of people, we're all wearing costumes, it's all great, and it's pretty fun and awesome. What would be really weird is if they wore those costumes tomorrow. Right, it would be really weird if they got dressed up in those costumes and went to work or to school or wherever they would go tomorrow, and say, "Here I am as Sailor Moon." You know, the kid who Severus Snape like shows up to work at McDonald's and like, "Hey, Wingardium Leviosa," you know, like <laughs> that's that would not be appropriate. But the interesting thing is you got ask the question: What's the difference between them and us? Like, what's the difference actually between that conference and this conference? Because we showed up. This is something, you know, we're kind of into Jesus. They're kind of into their characters. We got all together and, like, got all ramped up about it. They got together, got all ramped up about it. We all dress differently than we normally do. You normally, typically, don't have matching T-shirts. They don't normally say Elevate on them. They don't normally have Bible verses on them. They got together, and they got dressed up in costumes or clothes that they don't normally wear. What's the difference between us... And then the main difference is this The person dressed up as Severus Snape is not called to be Severus Snape The person dressed up as Sailor Moon is not called Is not meant to be Sailor Moon The person dressed up as Pikachu, I guarantee you Is not meant to be Pikachu (laughs) It makes sense for them not to put the costume on tomorrow Why? Because it's just a costume The difference is the people you have chosen to be this weekend, this is who you are meant to be. Like, this is who you are called to be. This is who God created you to be. So you just, this weekend, you took one step closer to actually being the person that God wants you to be. Not later, though. Not one step closer to be the person God wants you to be when you get old but one step closer to the person God actually has called you to be right now. The problem is, I think a lot of times we can look at ourselves maybe today or tomorrow or next week and say, okay, that's the person I'm called to be, but I'm not that person yet. I don't know how to do this, and that's why I love this first reading today. This, this, here's King Solomon, and he's just a youth, right? He's, just all, he's a youth, and he even says the Lord appears to him in a dream and says, what do you want from me? Ask me of anything, I'll give it to you. And Solomon says, okay, I get it. I'm called to be a great king, but I'm not yet. I'm called to rule this kingdom, but I don't know how. I know what I'm called to, but I can't do it. And in this moment, I just invite every single person here to realize you and I are in the same place as Solomon. Solomon. I'm a youth, and I I have this great call, but I, I don't know how. And that's that's actually part of the part of the dilemma of being youth youths. (laughs) Or adolescence. You know, maybe like that. I don't know if what words you like more, youth or adolescent. Um, But did you know that the term adolescent um, actually means to grow up? To be in adolescence means the stage where you grow up. And in, in fact adolescence is an invented category it's an invented time in a person's life. We didn't actually have adolescence until relatively recently. It was childhood, adulthood and old age. That was what it was. But we invented adolescence in our culture. Why? Because we had to what do you do with this group of people who are physically capable but are not legally allowed? That's what it is, right? You all are physically cap- you're physically capable of being adults but you're not legally allowed to be adults. What do you do with this whole group of people who have the strength to be the people they're called to be, but they're not yet allowed to? Or you have the strength to be the people they're called to be, be, but you don't know how. I'm sure that a lot of us, we've, all, we've felt that way. I have the strength, I have, I have this desire to be that person I think God's called me to be, but I just, I don't know how. I don't know how to act. I don't know how to be a king. I don't know how to be a saint. And that's this stupid time period called adolescence. And that's why, here's King Solomon. I know I have this call. Lord, I know you've given me this, this place in life, but I I don't know how. And so he says, Lord God, I don't know how to rule a kingdom. I don't have wisdom. I don't know how to discern right from wrong. I need wisdom. I need understanding. And the Lord God says, that's exactly what you need. I will give you, I'll make you the most wise and understanding person who has ever lived. And Solomon was given an incredible amount of wisdom. In fact, his mind became the most clear. His mind became the sharpest. His brain became... He was so wise that people... From all over the world would come to him just to hear how wise he was because he had this call and then he got the ability to know how to live up to this call here's the guy here's it is you guys um I want this for you as well I want this for you as well I want every person in this place to realize that, okay, tomorrow I'm not just taking off the t-shirt. Oh, we'll take off that one because it'll smell by then. But like, tomorrow I'm not just going to go back to my life. This isn't cosplay. This isn't a costume. This is actually who you're called to be. And what I want you, all of us to do, is to say, okay, God, no. What do I need to do? You've given me the call and you've given me the strength, but either I'm not allowed to use that strength or I don't know how. Do you realize that so many of the things that hold you back from being allowed to act like an adult in this world are actually just false. So many of the things that hold you back from living like an adult, I don't mean buying cigarettes or drinking beer, I mean being an adult. Like doing great things is a a result of our culture. This culture that has such low expectations for you. That's one of the things I hope you come away from this weekend with: is that what God has for you is high expectations. What the church has for you is high expectations. What the culture offers you is such low expectations. I mentioned this before in other contexts, but I just I know that's one of the reasons why in our culture, in our country, we have so many uh, debates about like gun control. We have so many debates in our country, in our culture, over like birth control, and no people are talking about. Gun control, people aren't talking about birth control No one's talking about self-control You know why? Because they have such low expectations for you That they say, no, they can't, they can't control themselves Such low expectations No, they're just kids They're just youths And the church looks at you and says No, 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 you are more than that There's this one story I came across A number of years ago About a, a guy named David Farragut David Farragut is the first admiral in the U.S. Navy But David Farragut didn't start like, you know, going on ships when he was 18, when he was 21, when he was in his 30s. David Farragut started working on his first ship when he was nine years old. He was a cadet as a nine-year-old. Some of you might have little brothers or sisters who are nine years old. You imagine them becoming a cadet in the infancy of basically the US Navy. When but he was why? Because the people around him had high expectations for him. They said, David, actually, you have what it takes and we're going to actually pull that out of you. We're going to give you the ability to live up to your call. When David Farragut was 12, three years after he was a cadet, he was in a battle where his ship that he was on defo- defeated and captured a British, British naval ship And the captain of the, you know, colonial naval ship put the 12-year-old in charge of the British-captured naval ship with the British crew still intact. (laughs) And at one point, the former captain of the British ship, he said he was going to take orders from a 12-year-old and he was going to go down to his quarters and retrieve his pistols because David Farragut, the 12-year-old, decided to show the captain honor by letting him keep his guns he's going to go get his pistols and then show this 12-year-old is really in charge at that point the 12-year-old says if you go get your pistols when you come back on deck you will be dead oh snap oh you did not mm-hmm. yes you did miss a 12-year-old because why? because here's this here is this person who's called to something great and he lived up to something great brothers and sisters the Lord is calling you to something great and he's asking you to live up to that something great and it's not that you're not allowed to So often, for many of us, it's that we don't know how to. And that's why Solomon is praying Lord, give me wisdom. Give me learning. Help me to understand. Here's what I'm inviting you all to do. If you don't know how to be that woman you're called to be, you don't know how to be that man you're called to be, if you don't know how you're called to to be that saint you're called to be, find someone who can teach you find someone who can show you how to be that saint find someone who can show you how to be that man or that woman that you know you're called to be that person actually might have been one of the chaperones or your youth minister or your priest who came with you adults be that person who can show them how to be the person they're called to be because this is this is no time to be small this is no time to live up to someone's low expectations this is no time to be mediocre in fact in so many ways, this is the story of the treasure in the field. Look, look at this, the parable Jesus talks about. Here's a person who finds a treasure in a field. We all know what that is, right? That is finding him, finding Jesus, finding the kingdom of God. The person who finds the treasure in the field, what, what do they do? They go and they sell all that they have and then buy that field. That is not, those are not the actions of someone who goes halfway. That is not the actions of someone who is mediocre. Those are not the actions of someone who's trying to live up to someone's low expectations of them. Those are the actions of someone who realizes, who knows what they're called to be, and says, that's it, that and nothing else. That or bust. That or I'm, I might as well not even try. It's either that or nothing. Um, I, I don't know if I got into... If you guys, have you guys heard of CrossFit? So, yeah, so like I recently kind of got into CrossFit a couple months ago. And so I've been like reading everything about this and, and watching all the documentaries they have about CrossFit and they have the, all these YouTube channels on it. At one point, Katrin Davis' daughter, Katrin Davis' daughter has won the world championships the last couple years. At one point, Katrin, Davi- Katrin Davis' daughter is being interviewed. She is the fittest woman on earth, according to the, the deal, you know? And she said, had this line, she said, uh, she said, to be a champion To be a champion Means you can't have balance To be a champion means you can't have balance There's not a balance of like work life and family life And, 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 and relaxed life and, and training life No, to be a champion, you can't have balance And to be a saint, you can't have balance To be a saint means I'm all in to be a saint it means actually my heart loves Jesus more than anything else not Jesus and but Jesus that my heart belongs to the church more than anything else not the church and greatness requires this and you're made for greatness Greatness requires this, and you are made for greatness. So, what does question? What does your heart desire? Does your heart desire greatness, or does it desire mediocrity? Does your heart desire to be the person you're called to be, or does your heart desire to be something else, something less, something small? Because you get whatever your heart chooses, you get whatever your heart desires. And that's why why it's so important for us all to guard our hearts. That's why it's so important to guard your heart. We saw in today's first reading how Solomon's life started out. Solomon starts out realizing he's made made for greatness, right? He's called to something beyond him. He says, I don't know how. And the Lord God gives him understanding, gives him wisdom. But what happens later on in 1 Kings chapter 11 is that King Solomon did not did not lead his heart. King Solomon did not guard his heart. King Solomon followed his heart, and it ended in disaster. It says in King, 1 Kings chapter 11, it says, King Solomon loved many foreign wives. And when, he, when Solomon was old, his wives had turned his heart to strange gods. And his heart was not entirely with the Lord his God. Solomon started out so well, and Solomon ended up so foolishly. Solomon's life ended as a disaster. As a young person, as an adolescent, as a youth, he was wise and he was good. And as an old man, he was foolish and he was stupid and he was evil. Why? Because he was not careful what he loved. My brothers and sisters, please, please, please hear me. Be careful what you love. Be careful what you love, because that possibly more than anything else will determine the course of your life. Be careful what you give your heart to or who you give your heart to, because that possibly more than anything else will determine the course of your life. But be willing be willing to take this step that step of being able to say wait a second I'm made for something more than this I'm made for that treasure in the field I'm made for the kingdom I'm made for the church I'm made for God himself and then to be willing to do what a champion does to do what a saint does you know sometimes the gospel reading is like a Rorschach test you know what a Rorschach test is? Rorschach test is like the ink blot test, like that psychologists or psychiatrists give, or at least to give. And I'm not sure if they still do this, but they show you the ink blot and they say, "What do you see?" And apparently, you're supposed to be able to tell kind of something about the person by what they see. I see a butterfly. I see a skull. Okay, butterfly, nice. Skull, dangerous. Like that's the kind of idea, right? And sometimes the gospel is a Rorschach test for us. What does it say in the gospel? It says that there's a person who finds a treasure in a field. And with joy, goes and sells all he has to buy that field. How you and I approach God will determine how we read that story. Because some of us who love God and, and want to give our hearts to him, we see this and we think, we, we, we see the part that says, he found a treasure in a field. We see the part that says, with joy, he went. For those of us who are scared about God and are afraid to follow him, what we focus on is, sold all he had? Oh, and we completely ignore that he found a treasure. We completely ignore that he sold it with joy. We completely ignore that for the rest of his life, he had something that he could only dream of. When you hear this parable, what do you focus on? What you might receive from God or what he's going to take? The great call he's given to you or what it's going to cost? I invite you all, this is the last thing, I invite all of us to set our heart on the great call. Set our heart on the greatness. Yes, you can count up the cost, no problem, don't worry about that. But I guarantee you, I guarantee you that what you will receive from the Lord is far greater than what he will ever take. But you have to act. Why? Because you only get one life, and you are only young once. Despite what Botox tries to convince us of. <laughs> so I, my, my patron saint as I said, this is the last thing. My patron saint is a guy named St. Francis Xavier. Uh, I love St. Francis Xavier. Um, one of the reasons I love this guy is, is um, in high school, I was in track, and Francis Xavier is a track star at the University of Paris. Um, Francis Xavier became the patron saint of missionaries, and, and I always wanted to be a missionary. But the thing that captured my heart, maybe more than anything else, was when Francis Xavier, he went as a missionary to, uh, to Goa, India, to India. But before this, he had met Ignatius of Loyola. Now, when, he, when uh, Francis Xavier was in college at the University of Paris, he had no plans to follow Jesus. He had plans only to show up to church on Sundays. That was it. That's the deal. God, you get one hour on Sunday, and then the rest of my time is my time. And I'm going to pursue my career. I'm going to pursue my path. I'm going to pursue my plans. But at one point, Ignatius of Loyola broke into Francis Xavier's life, and with him came Jesus. (laughs) And Francis, his heart was won for Jesus. His heart was won over for Christ. And he was willing to say, Okay, my plans, okay, Lord, I'll give them up for your treasure. My plans, Lord, I'm giving it up for your call. My plans, Lord, I'm going to give it up for anything, for love of you. Because why? Because it's not just about learning, it's about love. And then when Francis went to India, it was crazy crazy there were stories Francis would write back to people in, in, the, in Europe about how all day he would baptize so many people that at the end of the day he would not have a voice anymore. Because he spent all day baptizing literally thousands of people saying, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Holy Spirit. Baptizing so many people that he lost his voice. And he wrote back to Europe and he said, You know, the only reason why so many people here in India aren't becoming Christians is because there's no one here to help them become Christians. No one wants to do it. Everyone back at home, they all have their own plans, they have their own lives, they have their own thing going on. And the only thing that's holding this entire continent back from knowing the great love of God is because No one is willing to be great, and he says, "I wish I could go back to the University of of Paris." And I said, "He says I would run through the hallways like a madman, screaming to all of you who have more learning than love. You have more learning than you have love. You've got your plan for your GPA more than you care about people who are dying." You care more about your plans than you care about people knowing the great love and power of Jesus. You care more about your comfort than you do about people who are dying without knowing God. More learning than love. How many people are being lost because you are so small? So my brothers and sisters, I'm going to ask that same question to all y'all. For all of us here who have more learning than love Solomon had more learning than love For all the small people and Mediocre people who had more learning than love People in L have more learning than love For all of us here who would rather have a mediocre life Than a life lived for God How many people could possibly know great love of Jesus if even just one person in this auditorium was willing to say you know I'm young and maybe I don't know how but I'm gonna use my youth to find out how and maybe I'm young and no one allows me to do this but I'm gonna use my youth to give my heart to Jesus so that those who do not know him will come to know him. That lives can be changed so that entire countries can be saved for the honor and glory of Jesus Christ our Lord. That's who you're made to be. And it's not a costume. And you don't have to take it off tomorrow. Youths. Youths are awesome.